0: Welcome to Declaration Church Online. We are so glad that you've joined us this morning. Our prayer is that you are deeply encouraged through Pastor John's message and that God would move in your life in a powerful way. God is doing big and amazing things right now in and through our church, and we would so love for you to be a part of it. Before we join the service in progress, I want to share a few quick things with you. We would love for you to interact with us at Facebook.com slash Declare Him. And if you would like more information about all things Declaration Church, please visit us at Declaration.org. Now, as we join the service, I would like to say, welcome home.
1: Man, welcome to church this morning. I'm really glad to see you. We've been in this series called Three Little Words where we have found these three-word statements. They seem small, but they're three profound um, word statements in Scripture. We started with, it is finished. We went to um, love thy neighbor. We went to hear my sin, me. We went to feed my sheep. And then last week, we did God so loved, but we turned it around and made it applicable in a way and just kind of did a church-wide challenge of what would happen if each and every one of us would go throughout our week and just kind of the as we go life, you know, we're 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 walking with the Lord, prayerfully abiding in the spirit of god, and and when God kind of puts it on us that we would look at somebody as we go in the eye and just tell them that Jesus loves you. um and and we kind of said, you know, if, if we did that, imagine over the course of the week, two thousand plus people would hear this small three-word phrase that could literally change their life one day. It may not be that moment. It could start a conversation that matters. I would say that if you're like me and if, if you're in a drive-thru, you should probably maybe set an appointment. You'd probably the cars behind you will not appreciate that unless you pay it forward and forward and forward. But I'm just saying, imagine what would happen if, if over the course of a month and over the course of the year, if, if we just began to be very passionate about really seeing people the way God sees people and having compassion and... and um and asking the Lord to lead us to those in his love that need to know him. So this morning, I'll just be honest, man, I struggled after last week. We were supposed to start a new series this week, and we got out of Sunday, and Monday came. And, and man, I was wrestling with it. And Tuesday, I, I was very well aware that, that I don't think that we were finished with this series. And, and Wednesday, I was very well aware that we didn't have art for another three-word sentence. And Thursday, that's a joke. And Thursday... Um, you know, here I was on Thursday going, Lord, I've, I need to, I need to write this term paper that I have to deliver on Sunday. So it'd be really great if you'd speak to me. And then, and then on Friday, God brought something to my attention, and I couldn't get away from it. And so, as I've been praying, I want to begin this morning. It's a special day. We've got a special friend that I want to introduce you to here in a little bit. But before we do that, I want to start and I want to go back just to the foundation. Of something. It's a passage that we've, we've utilized already throughout this, this whole series. It's something that, that I think is just kind of ground floor. Um, it, is, it is the gospel in Scripture. It is the foundation by which I believe all of us begin this journey with God, and it is John 3.16. It's the same one we used last week, and I want to point it out to you in four different ways, though, this morning, that I felt like God just laid on me, all right? So let me, let, let's let just look at it in the, e, in the English Standard Version, ESV, read it with me. For God so loved the world. Now, hang on, remember last week I said, let's, let's read it differently, not just passively, but remember when I said, for God so loved the world, right? So let's do it, ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, as I've been... Really, just kind of letting this marinate and, and, and really thinking, man, if you're like me and you grew up maybe in church or, or you were at least raised around church, this is a passage that you've heard so many times. It's probably been preached on more times than anything else in the entirety of scriptures. And, and it might be that you're just kind of sitting there going, okay, great, basic. Basic, but listen to me as I begin to ask the Lord. Let me read it to you from the um, the Amplified Bible. Can we find that one, um, Kelly? There we go. Read this: For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that He even gave His one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes and trusts in Him as Savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. So let's back up again to the ESV version, Kelly. For God so loved the world. The very first thing that I really want you to see today in this passage is simply this. The love of God is radically inclusive. It's radically inclusive. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. This, this tells me that before we try to create some sort of subsystem for people to live by so that we can feel comfortable when they come into the church that we trust that the love of God can take care of whatever he needs to take care of and wants to take care of because it was not us that hung on the cross and died for the sin of mankind. The love of God knows no boundaries. It has no limits. It is completely unconditional and it is absolutely radically radically inclusive. For God so loved the what? The world the entirety of the world. If you want to know what makes God's heart beat with passion and fervor, it's the world. It's his creation. Each and every one that he created, he passionately loves. And let's keep going back from the Amplified Bible. He greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. So we see that God, the love of God is radically inclusive. The second thing I want you to take home with you today is this. The love of God is deeply personal and inviting. It's deeply personal and inviting that he even gave his one and only begotten son. Even while we were in our brokenness and our dysfunction and our sin and our disobedience and our rebellion, and even in that, he chose to send Jesus to die on our behalf. It's deeply personal inviting. So that whoever would believe and trust him as his savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. Which leads us to the third thing that I want you to see and take home. Not only is the love of God radically inclusive and also deeply personal inviting, but the love of God desires none to perish. None to perish. So that they shall not perish. So that they shall not perish. They shall not perish. Can I can I just say this? Did, did you know that everyone's dying right now? Everyone's dying right now. This week I was for, for whatever reason, I was thinking of that Tim McGraw song, Live Like You Were Dying. Like, what a clever lyric. And what he's trying to say is: hey, have the perspective. Don't waste the moments that God has given you. Of course, I don't think he was saying that, but that's the way I'm gonna I'm gonna redeem it, all right? <laughs> Live like you were dying, right? So that none should perish. The love of God is radically inclusive. It's deeply personal and inviting and and it desires that none should perish. Let's finish it. For God so greatly loved the world and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whosoever believes and trusts in him as savior shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. So the fourth thing that I really want you to take home with you this morning is this. The love of God is all powerful to give us life, both full and forevermore. Full and forever. So this is the place by which, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the good news for the world who is perishing. I need us to understand perishing. I don't have time this morning and I wanna come back to it, but I, I made a post on social media this week and, and I typically don't just post just anything, but I was rattled at, at the nature of the news and what's going on in our world and, and we lost another pastor to suicide you never know. You never know when it's someone's last day, when it's someone's last moment. Can I just submit this to us? We have got to be motivated by the gospel that we say we believe when we see people. We cannot, we do not have the luxury, nor are we called by God to walk through our day ambivalent to the need around us. So, as I said, I struggled through the week, and 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 um, so um, just God, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to talk about? What what is it that you are, are asking for this week? And and so, um, Pastor Travis, uh, he he and I were in the office on Friday morning. Everybody else was in meetings, and we were talking about the the warehouse office space and 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 kind of some need for some other thought process and extra room, and so we decided to take a, 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 a field trip to one of the newer offices that is just open, and we were going to look around, and then we decided, well, let's just go talk to our, our landlord and see kind of what that would look like if we needed to get more space at some time soon or whatever, and and in that process, we ran into Kelly Schrader, who works for our landlord, and um, and so she's talking to us, and we actually go up to the very first declaration office, which is just this big room. Thanks, guys, and um. And we're overlooking out of this room. You can overlook onto the first floor because it's on the second floor. And in the process, Kelly's telling us all this story. And she goes, "Hey, have you met that guy down there?" And I'm like, "No, no, not at all." So she she kind of begins to tell his story a little bit. And she says, "But but hold on, I don't want to. I don't want to. I want you to meet him." So she takes us down there and she says, "I, I want I want to introduce you to this guy." So she introduces me to what I'm just going to say as one of my new friends, and he's going to be a friend of our church too. His name is VJ. Would you guys welcome him as he comes up here? Where are you at, VJ? There you are. Come on, come on, everybody. So this is VJ Condor. Did I say your name right? Condor. Condor. Okay. Condor. Condor. Okay. All right. This is VJ. Have a seat, buddy. And um, he. Um, you know He's a part of some really cool stuff that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But, but before we get to that, um, I was so blown away by his story. And, 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 and as I met you, and we were talking, and you just, man, it's like you just went right into your story of how the gospel impacted you, and just the power of God, the power of gospel. And man, church, I'm going to tell you, this doesn't happen often, but as we were talking, I just felt the spirit of God so powerful in that conversation. I mean, I, I, it was just intense and so intense that I was like, BJ, I want you to be a part of Declaration Church. Do you have a church? And he goes, Yes, I'm very happy at my church. And I was like, okay, whatever. So, <laughs> whatever. So, um, but, uh, but, but, but seriously, so thankful that, that you guys are plugged into a great church that we pray for, actually, uh, Oak Ridge Baptist Church. And this is a sacrifice for him to be here with us today because today they're celebrating their 50th anniversary with Pastor Galen. So thank Absolutely. you for being here. And, and so, yeah, come on. It's 50 years of, of them being faithful for the, to the gospel and just profound. And so, um, man, would you do this? I want you to tell our church. And, and by the way, P.S., he's part of our church, isn't he?
0: <laughs> thank you. Like
1: it just... Sorry, you just kind of, we say welcome home. Nobody's a visitor here. All right, everybody's family, but but we're all one, right? And so, man, your story was compelling, Mm -hmm. and um, it reminded me of the power of the gospel. I think all the time, too many times, we we try to put systems around it for people, you know, to try to give it handlebars for people, and it doesn't need it. Right. And so would you tell um, our church, let's start kind of with your childhood a little bit, if that's okay, how you grew up, family structure, um, all that good stuff. I think we got some pictures of your family, too. We'll put them up here.
0: Awesome. Those are my wonderful parents and uh, great brothers, you know. Again, uh, I, John, thank you so much for this time, and uh, thank you all for uh, listening to my story. God definitely wrote a story, you know, in on my heart, you know, in my life and uh, in his eternal book with a tip where the blood flows through, you know and again that which is eternal and i'm very grateful for this opportunity as well i was born in the upper uh, northern part of uh, india my dad was in an army and uh, uh, under the foothills of uh, himalayas which is which are the largest largest mountain mountains in the world and um, and moved to south so i have a taste of both uh, the northern and the southern culture as well and uh, growing up in a house uh, which is very religious very traditional you know um where I was told we had about 33 million gods. That everything in the constellation that you see with the planets and uh, numerology and uh, and uh, you know astronomy were a big part of uh, growing up. For my dad, it, it's always about the numbers. It's always about you know the, the alignment of the stars and everything. Um, you know early on, um, you know we were trained in scriptures as well. If you look at a lot of uh, you know uh, people within within the religion. Um, they don't have the understanding of the scriptures. You know, in our case, uh, you know, we were trained in the in the scriptures. Uh, we come from a, a tribe called Shivaid So basically, you know, we have to know certain portions of the scripture, the basic scriptures. You know, and also I was told that you know, again, we worshipped in our house. We have about hundred plus you know idols, yay, small to pictures to you know this big. You know, idols, wood, mud, you know, little gold, uh, little fake gold, you know, and, um, you know, silver and stuff like that. So I was only taught to worship them, bow before them, and chant these scriptures. And the paths of, uh, you know, uh, nirvana you call moksha, you call uh, salvation are different paths that you see. If Kelly can bring up the slide, you would see there... you know while we go through the faces and th- these are the type of gods we have you know you see everything crawl you know anything that crawls anything that flies anything that swims you know pretty much that's how you get 33 million gods <laughs> so,
1: so hinduism um, when you when, we have a word for that that we, we define that as polytheism, polytheism yeah 33 million gods but in your house you have over 100 or yeah, 100 close 100, to 100 100 close to 100 different yeah, idols yeah we had yeah okay.
0: so um So next slide would be, you would see, probably the four goals of Hinduism. And, uh, you know, this all integrates into where you are in your life, you know, four phases of your life. And whatever phase you are in, you try to, you know, integrate that into your life. Number one would be dharma. You know, this is a phase of life where you are responsible for the duties that you were given as a husband, as a wife, as a you know child as um, you know uh, citizen of the of the society of anyone you know again the next phase would be artha prosperity work you work everything to to for success for career for positions whatever it is and nothing wrong with that you know and um, Kama is desires and passions you have all these desires and passions that you want in life you reach forward you work hard for them you enjoy them the pleasures of this world and um, you know while growing up you know uh, i was fascinated even with the buddhism and uh, um, and the more i was learning you know the founder of uh, uh, buddhism was uh, buddha who was a former king, but he abandoned everything um, to live a solitary life. And he, say, he, say, he's, he founded the whole religion based on one thing, having a desire is wrong. So my desire is not to have a desire. So I'm like, your desire is not to have a desire. <laughs> say it again, <laughs> say it again. So not having a desire is a desire. So, but again, I wanted to reinforce, You know, what is our desire? When our desire becomes our delight or when our delight becomes our desire to serve the Lord, to know the Lord. You know, it's no more the desire that is rooted in this world system or in this carnal world. But really, you experience the fulfillment and satisfaction of life. And that's what that is what that is about, Kama, the desire of life is to be satisfied, self-centered, but this is God-centered, what Christ came to preach to us. And finally, moksha, the liberation, freedom, you know, you see is... Um, is done four ways, um, or five ways. You know, yoga, till date, I don't understand. My dad did yoga all his life, and also meditation. Uh, And I tried it. Um, It's me, I failed, I guess, because I don't know what people do in yoga and what people do in meditation. The more I don't want to think about things, I think about things, you know? (laughs) So, recitation of mantras, I think this is something that, that, uh, uh, you know, we were trained in. And the early part of uh, 15 years, I have, uh, um, you know, I can testify that I could in my sleep, I could chant at least about some portions of, uh, of the holy book, you know, and which, like I said, most of the Indians, they do have most of the, you know, uh, people from the religion they have, but they don't even uh, know, they don't even read. You know the scriptures there.
1: Didn't you tell me like ninety to ninety-five percent don't even know their own scriptures? No,
0: they, they don't. They don't know the scriptures. A lot of them, if they truly uh, uh, see the scriptures, in the scriptures there is Christ, there is gospel, uh, there is a way for salvation, um, there is a way that you see John three sixteen exactly. The words is quoted right there. You know, mm. and uh, pilgrimages, and you see this. You know, at the end stage of your life, you go through. You know, after you retire, you visit the places, you know, holy places, and you see, you know, that's how you spend the rest of your life. And you see, this is this is this in Islam as well, where people go to Mecca, you know, and that's where, you know, you have the satisfaction of, you know, at the end of your life, you are visiting these places by redeeming your life. And uh, isn't it uh, isn't it awesome to come to church, day, you know, every Sunday, week after week, year after year, for decades? Go anywhere if it's a Uh, Christ-preaching church, word-rooted church. You know, you see the same thing again and again and again and again. Aren't you glad that we come to a church where we hear the same gospel again and again and again? You don't hear this Sunday one thing and next Sunday other thing. You don't want it.
1: Well, and it also seemed to me like at least the first two points of at least the goals were really works-oriented. Would you say that that was also necessary for salvation in in your experience with hinduism
0: yes absolutely every single thing that you see there is sweat in there there is effort in there the framework the pillars really are rooted into karmic law you know it's a karma what you do what you think what you say you know how you can redeem how you can earn how you can reach out to god Um, on contrary to what we have here you know God reaching down to us. It's not our effort. It's grace flowing down rather Mm. than our effort going up, you know?
1: Good. It's good. So, what was your childhood like in (laughs) school? I'm laughing because you told me this story. He's a little mischievous as a kid, right? But what was school and stuff like that like? You know,
0: You know, growing up, growing up, uh, I, I do have some beautiful memories. You know, very grateful for the parents that I have, for the brothers that I have, for the family, for the soil that I was born in. You know, into the country where I am, and uh, into the culture. You know, where I was born, and. Uh, You know, when it's time for me to go to school, I remember uh, uh, during that time, you know, my brothers, both who are older to me, they got admitted, registered into a Hindu school, Hindu convent, um, where they take an entrance uh, test and uh, they get the points. And, uh, well, you know, really my brothers are very smart and truly intelligence and smartness runs in our family. You know and um, and you'll get a kick out of this once I share my score, but uh I wrote the test, and uh, my list were, my name was there on the list uh, first name uh, from the last um, you know, and uh, my parents were disappointed, and I was disappointed. I was surprised, man, I didn't make it into the school, so finally, there was this Catholic school who opened the doors for me, so they were looking at all the Hindu schools uh, I didn't get into any school uh, because every school had an entrance. And every entrance, I did uh, test. every test I flunked through. So I was a disqualified uh, you know, student. So I knew early on age, I learned that I'm a very average guy, very below average guy. <laughs> and thank you, John. This is the second service. There are great things that I can tell. But again, for, um, if I'm affirming myself on this, and thank you for the opportunity to say it again and again, I am a very below average guy. <laughs>
1: I don't um, believe that. <laughs> truly,
0: I am. Truly, I am. I'm not trying to be humble. You know? I, I know, I know myself, my limitations, my weaknesses. So intellectually, I'm very challenged with a lot of things. But um, coming back to, see, again, I, I forget what I wanted to say. But You are going
1: to go into the Catholic school.
0: I, I went into Catholic school. Hey, by school. the
1: way, if your name was last, just remember the last shall be first, brother. Don't yeah, worry there about There you go. That, maybe right. that's, <laughs> it. that's what it.
0: I hope to see that in heaven, you <laughs> <Right>. know. <laughs> For here, it's not happening, though.
1: <laughs> So, so you get accepted into Catholic school, right? Yeah. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, I get accepted into a Catholic school, and uh, but again, Catholic school, no gospel, nothing. You know, uh, I didn't see any difference. You know, there, you know, all the community that I grew up were all Hindus. You know, I didn't know a single Christian uh, friend. I didn't have. I had one friend, you know, who was Daniel. You know, his name, and uh, you know, probably never shared the gospel, never knew about Jesus, nothing, and. Uh, <clears throat> finally you know um one day my grandfather you know again he was he moved with us and moved in with us and uh, he was sick he had paralysis he can't talk he can't walk he can't move and uh when they no one was there in the house you know i asked him you know i was pretty naughty at this at the time um and i i told him you know you know Grandpa, you're gonna die one day right and he's like he saw me like this and uh, he's like um, are you are you scared to die? Then he gasped all the air in the room, into his lungs, and he said, in our language, he said, yes, honey, I'm scared to die. And man, that left me with shock, no words. And when I told my parents after they came, grandpa talked. Um, what did he say? He said that he's scared to die. He, they were like, well, like, I built so much of good reputation that they didn't believe me at all. So there was no <laughs> reputation at all. <laughs> So, well, he passed away and he died. We buried him. Week goes by, a month goes by, three months go by. Everybody came back, you know? I mean, everybody, you know, were back to their regular life, you know, uh, eating, laughing, watching TV, movies, and all that stuff. And, uh, man, within me, it didn't settle well. I, want, I was scared. I said, today is my grandfather's turn, tomorrow is my, my dad's turn, <clears throat> and the day after tomorrow will be my turn. Who is this death? Can I escape? Can I outrun? Can I kill it? Can I overcome it? Can I hide somewhere that it can't find me? Why should I die? Why should I die? Finally, death entered into Kandur family. Why should I die? What did I do? What did I do that I'm sentenced to death in this life, in this world, in this body? Why can't I live happily ever after? Who is messing my life up? I didn't have the answer. I wanted to know the answer. And I lost the appetite for this world and I had the appetite growing every single day for another world. I don't know what world was that to live happily ever after, where there is no pain, where there is no tear, where there is no hurt, where the sun shines all the time, where there is no darkness, where there is nothing, no disease, no death. Is there a world like that? So eternity was settling in my heart. And if I have this innate desire to live forever, who placed this desire to live forever? God never, initiates something that he does not provide. Did God already provide this? So I wanted to know. I didn't have questions for it. Who 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 am I? And I was not able to see. Why am I not able to say where I will be if I die tonight? I didn't know. And if I didn't know where I was going, probably I would end up in a place that I would not want to be. I was not able to see through the walls of darkness where I will be. I felt like I was blind. I felt like I was lost, and I wanted to find myself, where I belong.
1: So, in school, part part of your schooling actually has a big part of this because you studied science, right? And that God even used that. So how did how did that happen? What- you know,
0: I was a science student. You know, and again, I, I loved uh, I loved the nature. I loved uh, to explore things. You know. And um, uh, we had a telescope. We had a microscope. And uh, I said, you know, while, while I was looking through the eye, lens of a microscope, I said, you know what? Man, what if I can see things that are, cannot be seen to this eye? I can see things very near through a lens of a microscope. And through the lens of a telescope, I can see things that are far away, close by. Is there a lens that I can see a God who is far away and near? and a God that is invisible, clear. What that lens would be. You know, I didn't know that lens was lens of faith, but again, I wanted to know, is God always a distant God, or does he live in my world? Does he know how I feel? Does he know my desires of my heart? Does he know the way I move? Does he know my strengths? Does he know my weaknesses? Does he know me inside out? Does he know my frame? Or is he as Am I just a random in billion people, you know? I wanted to know my maker. I wanted to know him. I wanted him to know my name, you know? I wanted to talk to him. But I was sitting with this before these idols. Eyes open, never see me. Ears, never heard me. Hands, never comforted me. You know, No relationship at all.
1: Mm. So if we can, one of the things that really impacted me was you you just talked about culturally animal sacrifice but especially after your grandfather passed away and just so you guys know he 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 showed me some pictures of this and some of them are i I just felt like they you need to see the pictures some of them are a little hard and so i've kind of tried to tune them down a bit especially for kids in the room but it's important to your story and so would you share with us especially about that moment um after your grandfather's funeral
0: just, Absolutely, just, you know. Again, like the rituals and everything yeah, that we have—exactly rituals and everything we have uh, in the family that we do yearly. You know, again, one of the rituals that we do when uh, my grandfather passed away, and uh, we did the same thing when my dad passed away as well. Was uh, we pick a one-year male goat without wounds or anything? Like typically, say it has to be perfect from I'm a standpoint. Yeah, not sick, nothing. You know, right. and uh, <clears throat> then you sacrifice it. You slit the throat. So I'm very used to. Year after year, you know, uh, sacrifice from it may be a bird, it may be a goat, anything, you know, slit the throat, the blood is all over the floor, and we do that so i'm used to that and i asked when my grandfather it never occurred to me while i was growing up but when when my grandfather passed away i asked my dad why do we do this then he said the reason we do this is because if there are any curses or if there is any sin in our life you know the blood has the ability and that is through the scriptures that are in in the hinduism you know that talk about that speak um, about the about the blood, the power of the blood, the cleansing power of the blood, the redeeming power, of the blood, and the deliverance that it can uh, buy, and the exchange, the transaction that happens. Mm. You know, so we slit the goat, <coughs> we take the blood, we take it to the doorpost. Same thing that you see in Leviticus. You know, probably. You know, I didn't have a clue about you know how they do it and wh- why uh, why they do it, and um, and in my, in my mind, I was asking if I am sinning. And this grass eating animal can save me from my sin, it becomes my savior. Wait a minute. So now this grass eating animal is dead. Now I'm worshiping my dead savior. Now I'm calling it a savior, even though if it is not able to save itself from rescuing itself, how in the world it has the power to rescue
1: me? That was the that was the moment there that was so powerful.
0: Yeah, and we got this. There's a lot of
1: religion that that tries to kind of mimic the truth of Jesus, but at the end of the day, your realization of I'm why would I worship something that couldn't save itself? Right, that's dead. Right, that's power.
0: And and also, John, if you look at year after year, I'm so used to seeing the substitutes bringing um, into our home. You know, birds and uh, goats, you know. So year after year after year, bloodshed after bloodshed after bloodshed, you know. I mean, can't we find an animal that is so perfect? Once and and for all, we are done. So to me, the wake-up moment was, it should be, if man is sinning, if I'm sinning, it should be me. But I'm so sinful. I need a substitute. Who would take my place? I'm dragging the goat, I'm dragging the bird, I'm dragging every single thing to the altar. Someone who would be willingly, would be able to lay their life down. I'm looking at, who would be that? If I'm saying I'm a man, and I'm a sinful man, it has to be a man too. And it has to be a substitute that is pure, that is holy, that is blemishless. Now, who, who, who would that be? Would that be a man? Anyone perfect? No one is perfect. It should be God, but will God become man? Why would God become man? What's in it for God? Hmm. What would drive him to leave his majesty, his royalty, his everything, his power and everything, and come down as a simple man and die and lay his life down for me? I was not worried about the world. I was worried for myself. Who in the world would die for me? Would, Would we have to drag him or would he... Be able to step in and say, "Here I am for the sacrifice, or would, he be, would, he be, would we be able to kill him? Would he let us kill? because God is all-powerful. All Who can kill God? He should be sacrificed, it should be a voluntary you know substitute, and believe once we kill him, will he be able to raise from the dead? You know these are the questions I had. Never, I didn't have the answers right then, but I said, if this is what's going to take for me to get saved, this is it. It should and, be that. And it's
1: so fascinating that, that somehow in your heart and in your head, this is the journey you were on. These are right. the questions you were asking for this whole thing, right? Even in the midst or in the shadow of, you know, karma and the karmic law. Tell, talk about that, how you felt the conviction of sin, how you you know, how, how, how the bad deeds always outweigh the good and we hear karma, right? You've heard that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard people say, oh, that's just karma. But when they say that, there's a lot more gravity to that yes. for, for people than they think. I mean, Hinduism is the third largest religion in the world, right? Right, right. So talk about just the karmic law in light of all this as you're wrestling through this thing. You so, know?
0: everything that, uh, that, that we did, you know, was uh, the foundation was a karmic law. You know, the good must outweigh the bad. In your work, in your deed, in your intentions, you know, in your desires and everything. So, basically, you know, that night I took a a paper and I folded it, and on the left side I wrote down, you know, bad works, bad bad intentions, bad desires, bad behaviors, bad attitudes, negative. And on the on the right side I wrote good deeds, good works, good intentions, and everything. Right. I started to put uh, um, the bad works. Bad. I mean, I lost count. And. On an average, I said, you know, if I live about 70 years... You,
1: you know, actually have a chart for this, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, yeah,
0: I have a chart for it. 70 years, if I live, on an average, 25 plus thousand days, and if you, you know, you know, 90% of our thoughts are negative and bad, and, uh, you know, the very next day, if you if you are waking up, you have 85% of the same thoughts you have, which are negative and bad, and then 1.5... One, one, over 1 billion bad thoughts, bad intentions even if karmic law is right, if God says, okay, I would judge you based on your karmic law, I would not, still not go into heaven because my bad outweighs quadruple times, ten times more than my good. And I don't know about you, you know, again, you know better about yourself like I know myself. You know, for me, the way I was looking at is it's not what I earn. It's not my effort. It's not my sweat. It's not what I do. It's something that's, That is given. It's a gift that should come. Someone should pay that price. Someone should I should be able to take someone else's good and claim it. You know, and I said it's not me reaching out to God, it's God reaching out to me. It's not me trying to hold on to God, it's God trying to hold on to me.
1: Mm.
0: You know, and it has to be a gift, and someone has to pay the price. Like I said, the sacrifice. And I didn't know, you know, was it paid? you know, or someone would come and rescue me because I for sure cannot pay it. And in no way I can outweigh my good with my bad. So that day I knew it's not my effort. I can't even reach the ceiling that I see and change the bulb. Hmm. How in the world I can reach heaven that I cannot
1: see? Come on, that's good You step. know, I need help. So uh, all throughout your life, you're, you're growing up, man, this, this is the stuff you're wrestling with. Did anybody ever share the gospel with you? Did anybody ever tell you Jesus loves you? Catholic school at all? Your friend, anything?
0: No, I was never, you know, for that I know, I have never um, came across gospel. I never heard Jesus died. Jesus loves you. And the purpose he died, you know, I knew Jesus Jesus like anyone else. You know, I see cross all the time. The nuns that go around, you know, you, you know, always had them around their neck. And, uh, you know, and every single time, you know, I used to get in trouble, like I said, in school, you know, man, they used to, that's, the, the nuns are pretty ruthless, you know, they have yeah. these <laughs> canes they, in their hand and they, 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 they whoop you all around, you know. Again, I, I'm like, you know, wow. You know, and every single time she did, she was like, Jesus, Jesus. I'm like, you know what, that's all I remember. Yeah. So every single time you get a whoop, it's Jesus, you know.
1: Okay. So in, in all this, though, God ends up beginning to speak to you in a pretty supernatural right. way you have this vision tell us about that
0: you know uh, I was sick and tired it, it's it's months and months you know like I said I I stopped um, eating right you know sleeping right and I said you know what I'm sick and tired people already are saying that I'm going crazy with the questions that I'm asking with the way I'm acting and everything um, I, I I I I'm the guy that that people know that, oh, that guy. But then they came to know, oh, this f- crazy fanatic guy always asks about God. You know, everywhere that I go, I wanted to know the truth. I wanted to know, th- I was so crazy, I didn't care who, whom, who thought what about me. And that night I said, you know, nobody has answers in this world. Nobody has answers. I shut the door and I said, I will end my life if you are not going to reveal yourself to me. And when I come stand before you one day, you would not have the right to send me to whatever place it is, because I think I deserve an answer, mm. because you are my creator, and I'm asking you. So the ball is in your court. And that night, I knelt down, and I raised my hand through the window of my bedroom, and um, I said, you answer me. And I slept like a baby for the first time in months. And um, The best that I could do is, the picture that you see in the back, I had this beautiful, wonderful dream, even till today, this dream is so real to me. Um, I was in the clouds, it was dark where I was, but before me a door opened and everything was bright. Every single thing was bright. And I was able to see through this door, a person with white clothes was walking towards me, and, um, and he said, I was not able to see his face, nothing, he said, in my language, he said, this is my kingdom you are my son come follow me this is my kingdom you are my son and follow me and i realized that day when he spoke you know i have one biological father my mom never said that you have two three right in the same way authority is singular we don't have we have one kingdom one king and one throne And how in the world we have gotten to a place where we have 33 million gods that we are claiming as creator, when it doesn't make sense to have scientifically, genetically, you know, having two biological dads. And that day I had peace, and I woke up, and my mom said, man, your face is shining, you're glowing, what's up with you? I said, mom, this is what happened. I saw Jesus, he came, the door opened, and he said, this is his kingdom, I have a place, I'm following him. I decided in my heart that he's God, and I'm following him. I found the truth, I found the life. (laughs) and and I said this is a path that I want to go I didn't have a bible in my hand I didn't so she said wait a minute did he say he was Jesus I was like wait a minute I rewinded back in my head and I said no he did not say he was Jesus so how do you know he was Jesus I just know because I'm familiar with his voice the moment he spoke I knew it was Jesus Mm -hmm. and um, John talks about my sheep know my voice and hear my voice and follow me, and um, and then I called Daniel and I said, "Dude, tell me who is Jesus." Daniel,
1: your friend from Catholic school. Uh,
0: yeah, right. Dallas, uh, you know, yeah, D- Daniel, my friend uh, from my high school.
1: Oh, for, okay. And I was gotcha. in college by that time. Okay.
0: And he said, uh, uh, "Come, let's meet up and let's talk." I said, uh, "In the hot summer time, you know, we went on the terrace on the top of the building and we," and he said. Um, I, I asked him, dude, what should I do? Dude, just ask him in your life. He didn't know anything better. So he said, just invite him into your heart. I said, uh, how do you invite? Just say, come. He's right up there. Come, tell him to come. He'll come. <laughs> you know, so I said, Did Jesus, do Dude, come. just ask him, dude. Yeah, yeah, I said, dude, come. He said, I said, okay, Jesus, come into my heart. I want to give my life to your heart. That was a simple prayer, a teenager, you know, who's unequipped, you yeah. know, sharing the gospel. And then he said, why Jesus died? What that sacrifice meant? You know, what what does it mean when my vision, I was in dark, we were in dark, in sin, and then Jesus comes as a light into our uh, heart, into our lives, and then he gives this eternal life. And uh, my name is written in the book of Lamb forever, because he's that lamb who died on the cross for us, where evil, justice, love, and um, forgiveness, uh, and sin, all culminated on the cross of Calvary for the mm. first time, only time, last time in the person of Jesus Christ to save us.
1: That's good. That's good, man. Thank you. Well, you know, I know that you endured some persecution for your commitment to follow Christ. And, and fast forward, you have had a very successful career going, good corporate job. You walked away from that. God called you into... To something very specific, um, very powerful, you know, we've we've kind of put some language to it around here, just so that we can, you know, have some something to to say. Man, this is this is our vision in a sense, and it's simple. It's not love God, serve people, live loud. To me, after hearing your story and then knowing what you're doing now, which I'll tell you about, but um, I mean, this this to me, it, your testimony is so it's it's. Man, it's just such an amazing testimony about a powerful God and the power of the gospel. Loving God, serving people, living loud. So today, um, you know, he's, he's walked away from this big job, and and the way we got to know him is because he literally walked into the cubic offices next to us, said, I need a place to work, and, um, and Victor, I love Victor, he's like, yeah, well, come on in, wherever, you know, <laughs> make yourself at home, and... Um, Basically, what BJ has done now is he he works with terminally ill, stage three and stage four cancer patients, and he connects them through a large social network. Use LinkedIn a lot, but you've developed this other this other almost yeah platform, and um, and he connects them to surgeons and doctors as well as to each other. Tell us just a brief summary of that because it's even bigger than I thought. From
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, again, uh, I had this uh, God speaking to me. You know, again, uh, like I said. Um, last year, I I walked away from my, one and a half year back, I walked away from the job because I felt like God was calling me at this phase, this was my calling, this is how God wanted me to serve, and I love serving, you know, when I see, I see people hurting uh, everywhere in the world, and uh, I did not plan it, I did not, I don't have the skill, I don't have the experience, I don't have the intelligence, like I said, really a noodle on the street, you know, but God really, um, you know, spoke to my heart, you know, Again, he, you know, my grit really comes from his grace, you know, to endure, to persevere, and everything. And today we are in 60 countries within within this uh, within with fight cancer global, and also yeah. our mission is no one should face a fight alone. You know, we are bringing all the healthcare professionals, you know, pharmacy, research, everybody together, uh, in building a framework that is a patient centric uh, framework within the ecosystem, and uh, we are partnered with actually hundreds of churches within within um, uh, African continent, South American continent. Wow. And what a way really, you know, we have pastors really backing up in the other countries to really become part of this. We educate people, we create awareness, we create screening programs, and uh, we co- connect with advocacy groups so that people would know get in touch with people for information, for communication, for treatment options, anything, so that they feel that that they're not in this fight for alone. And I get to really talk to people. And one of my favorite conversations throughout the day is talking to cancer patients, you know, who are at the verge of dying, most of them. And um, I get to pray with them, because if you can convince someone that they are gonna die one day, the gospel makes more sense to them because you introduce them to another world, this sure. world is passing. It's a broken world. We are broken. They're always looking for people that can bring the pieces together. So what all it takes probably is that John 316 verse. you know, probably you walking in. If someone would have walked in in that during that time told me when I was looking for answers, you know, you know, I'm glad that God showed up. But you know, again, God wanted us to show up in these places as well where there is darkness, where there is hurt, where there is isolation, where people are looking for answers. You know, you don't have to be an apologist. You don't have to have all your scriptures, you know, under your belt. You know, you can just show your love, you know, share Christ, and people are looking for that answers. And a lot of people out there are maybe average and below average people. They are not, they don't need Ravi Zacharias, or they may may not need Ed Young, or they may not need even your pastor. They may
1: need you and I Mm -hmm. in those trenches. Yeah, that's good, man. That is good. Come on, somebody. (laughs) So, um, yeah, and it could start with a simple Jesus loves you. It really could. That's powerful. Thank you very much. I love how you think that you're not intelligent, but you've built this big, massive 60 world. (laughs) It's crazy. Well, listen, um, I want to thank you, and and I want to thank you for your life and your testimony because I think sometimes, you know, we say that we have a vision for every person that God gives us the privilege to to do life with, which is that they would know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and then make a difference. And and you've given us such a very clear picture of someone who came to know God, begin to walk in freedom, discover what God created them to do, even walk away from something that looks appealing to the flesh to say, you know what, God, this is what you've called me to. You walk, you live in faith, don't you? Hey, Kelly, would you throw up the, the screen of just his name and, and the website that we can go to? Um, I think it's up at the very beginning there it is. So fightcancerGlobal.com. Uh, thank you for sharing. And can we pray for VJ real fast and let's stand? and Oh gosh, there's that. <laughs> let's pray. Father, thank you for our friend and our brother, God, thank you for his life and just um, his story and how it encourages us. God, thank you for his family. Uh, Thank you for Oak Ridge Baptist Church and the impact that that this family is making with that fellowship. And we just continue to pray blessing and favor upon him, opportunity, provision. Um, Lord, thank you for the vision and heart you've given him to love you and love people and live loud for your glory, for your kingdom. And uh, we just are blessed by him. And uh, we love him and we love his family. So uh, just we pray peace and joy and provision over them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.